Today is actually the grand finale of our Stretch Marks series that we're in. Everybody say Stretch Marks. We all have them somewhere in our life. Uh, If you have some, don't raise your hand. We don't want to know. But um, but whether they're physical or emotional, we all have stretch marks. And we've been talking about how God leverages circumstances in our life that may be challenging to stretch us so that we're capable of more. Because that's the reality, and that you are capable more than you think you are. So before we jump into the word this morning, we're going to start in a minute in Isaiah 54, if you want to turn there. That's our text for this series. But before we turn to that passage, I just want to give a shout out to everybody watching us online and welcome them on Facebook Live as well as on our website and our live stream. We're so happy that you guys worship with us every week. Those of you that are translocal and that join us anyway, we appreciate you. And over in the family venue as well. I'm going to bring you the final installment of this series, Stretch Marks. I've just been, I have some things on my heart. Now, my goal today is not to be prolific or to be uh, profound, but to be prophetic. So I want you to engage and listen today as if God is speaking directly to you. Will you do that? Because the utterance of the speaker is greatly influenced and impacted by the attitude of the listener. So will you have a listening attitude today, looking for the message that God may have just for you in today's message? I believe it's a perfect message. It's coming through an imperfect messenger, but uh, you're used to that. But if you can get past that and listen for the nugget that God has for you today, because I believe that every single person in here today, God's going to drop something in your heart. It might, may have already happened or it may it's coming in the next few minutes, but I believe God has a word for you. But would you listen with that expectation? And when you get yours, just, just go, whoop, I got mine. That, that was for me. Or just say amen or oh my or whatever comes out. It'll be fine. So preach it, white boy, pop the clutch, whatever. All right. I think God believes in stretching. Stretching is in the Bible uh, many, many times. He tells people to stretch. Moses stretched out his rod over the Red Sea, and the impossible happened. And so the, the rod was just something very common. It was a stick, after all. But when you take what's in your hand, even though it's common or maybe even not very valuable in and of itself, but when you stretch it towards God, he can use that to do something supernatural with. It's amazing. But you got to stretch. you got to lean into the stretch. you got to engage in the stretch. Elijah, the prophet, stretched himself out over a dead boy, and God brought him back to life. I actually have a picture that I want to show you this morning that hangs in my home, and it is a picture, a depiction rather, by Mark Chagall of Elijah, the prophet, praying over the dead boy that was brought back to life. And so about tw- I bought this about 20 years ago, and um, uh, it's supposedly it's appraised at tens of thousands of dollars is what it's worth. I didn't pay that much for it, by the way. I paid a pretty penny for it 20 years ago, but supposedly it's increased exponentially in value because it's by one of the dead masters and all this sort of thing. But I didn't know any of that when I bought it. I'll tell you what happened when I bought it. My wife, she said, hey, you want to go to this art auction with me? I'm like, no. She's like, please, it'll be so romantic. I'm like, okay. And then I bought an $8,000 painting. So she was like, I ain't ever taking you to an art auction again. So that's actually the last one I've ever been to. Actually, I went to one other one. But, but nonetheless, um, so I bought this painting, but I didn't know. The guy was talking about the, 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 
the artist and all this, you know, I didn't care. All I knew is when I saw the painting, my heart rate sped up, and I was like, I'm supposed to have that because it represents the kind of person that I am called to be. I am called to be a man that stretches himself out in such a way that God can use me to bring dead people to life. Because I want to remind you of something today, that Jesus did not come and die on a cross to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And we are called as a church to stretch and to even be uncomfortable for the purpose of dead people being made alive. And that picture means a lot to me. I, I, I don't plan on selling it. Of course, if you make me an offer, I can't refuse. We'll talk. But I'm going to let my kids and my grandkids figure out if it's really worth anything. Because I honestly don't care, but it's what it represents to me. And I want to indelibly imprint on your consciousness that that's the church that we're called to be. We exist for the sole purpose of our non-members, those who aren't here yet. I'm glad you're here. We exist for you too. But we can supernaturally feed the sheep and fish for men simultaneously. People ask me all the time, how do you teach and help your people grow while reaching lost people? I say, it's easy. God's word is supernatural. When you, It can be... Uh, sheep food, and it can be fish food. It turns into whatever you need it to be. It's a supernatural thing. It's the bread of life. Isn't that awesome? So I can feed the sheep, and I can fish for men all at the same time. I want to invite you to continue to invite people and bring them to hear the life-changing word of God and to be in the presence of God and to join small groups and freedom groups and take their next step because I believe that just as like God's called us to make a huge impact globally as a church, he's called us to make an impact here locally as well. So, everybody say stretch. So Elijah stretched out over that dead boy because that dead boy was a promise that God had made to a widow woman who gave a sacrificial offering. How many know when you give, God, that does not go unnoticed by God? She gave, and God blessed her with a son. And her son got sick and died, and she went to the man of God, and she said, mm-mm. This is my translation. I don't know exactly if that's what In the Hebrew, it means, let me tell you something. <laughs> my boy is not going to die, because they kept saying, is everything okay? What's wrong? And she kept saying, it is well. It is well. Even when your dream has died, you got to side in with God's word in spite of your circumstances. Now, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm having fun. So, Jesus told the lame man to stretch out his crippled hand. Paul, the apostle, was stretching and going into the regions beyond where the gospel had not been preached yet. It was uncomfortable for him. He suffered for it, but he knew it was important and that those people were valuable and they needed to hear the good news. And he was willing to give, to be uncomfortable, to be persecuted so that people who hadn't heard the gospel could hear the gospel. Are we willing to do that, Harvest Church? Thank you for those three amens. Anybody else? <laughs> That's who we are as a church. That's part of our destiny. God leverages inconvenient, uncomfortable, troubling times in our lives to stretch us 
to show us the strength that he's already put in us. Almost 30 years ago now, I had a dear friend that I spent the summer in India with preaching the gospel. We saw miracles, and it was amazing. I was 19. He was in his mid-20s, and man, it was I was like a fish in water, man. It was awesome. And he and I were going to finish Bible college and then go plant a Bible school in central India. I graduated in May of 1991 from Bible college. He was graduating from Oral Roberts University in the same city. And a week later, he died of two inoperable brain tumors. I since became really good friends with his parents who informally adopted me to be their son in their son's place. And with his parents, I went to India and we planted a Bible school that has since given the devil so many black eyes, we've lost count. And it's awesome. But if you ask those parents today that are now in their 80s, and I'm going to go see them in a few weeks, if you ask them, they will tell you, if you ask them about their son dying at 26 years old, they will say in response, God is good all the time. Yeah, but your son died before he's supposed to. God's good all the time. Yeah, but why wasn't he healed? Christ is the healer, and God is good all the time. They don't understand why it happened, but they refuse to take the proof or evidence of their circumstances over the proof and evidence of God's word. I don't understand why our son didn't get healed, but we do know why that God is good all the time. And we're going to choose to believe the word of God over our circumstances, even when our circumstances don't line up. And so many people get stuck in the why me trap. Why did this happen? Why me, God? And let me just tell you something. You get the answers to the questions that you ask. Why me? Because the devil's bad and because life sucks and because you lost your son. And why me? Because this is awful and you're never going to recover. And why me? Let me give you a more powerful question. Instead of why me, ask what now? What's next? I'm going to choose. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to believe God's word, even if it stretches me. I'm going to love those who do harm to me. And I'm going to speak well of those who speak evil against me. And let me tell you, that stretches me more than anything else. How about you? But I'm going to do it because God's stretching me because he wants to make me more than I am so that he can reveal how good he is. God leverages tough times to stretch us. Smith Wigglesworth, who was a great apostle of faith, said this. Great faith comes out of great trials. How many of the trials of life happen to us all? The storms of life Come for everybody. We're not immune. Even though we are the name it and claim it, the prosperity, you know, the healing, we believe in all that. We believe in the goodness of God, but we live in a fallen world and storms come. So it's not that we believe we're immune to the storms, like some accuse us, but we rather believe that we have somebody in the boat with us when the storm comes, right? And he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. So it's not that storms don't come, but we are sailing with the master who can take us through the storm. In fact, they came to Jesus in the storm. Jesus was asleep. I know the, the only storm you really have authority over is the one you sleep through. 
Because Jesus said, let us go to the other side. How many, when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, it don't matter if a storm comes, a tsunami comes, it doesn't matter if the devil himself shows up on your boat, we're going to the other side. We'll chop you up, devil, and use you for fish, baby. We're going to the other side. Why? Because the word of God said so. That's why Jesus didn't wake up. He was taking that. He's like, it don't matter. We're going to the other side. I said we're going to the other side. They came. They woke him up. And that's what happens to us. When we're in a storm, we get, we get afraid. And we're like, Jesus. They said, don't you care about us? And when we're going through a storm, we start to think that God doesn't love us. But it's not that God doesn't love us. He's expecting you to do what Jesus did. He got up and he said, peace, be still. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the rain. He spoke to the waves. He rebuked them. He said, stop it. And it. And then he looked at them and he said, oh, ye of little faith. In other words, why didn't you do that? I said, let's go to the other side. Why didn't you? Why would you have to wake me up? I was having a good nap. And then they wondered among themselves, what manner of man is this? I'll tell you what manner of man he is. He's the same man or a man or a woman that you are now that you're a Christ follower. Stretch. Get your mind around that. See, we undervalue who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, by myself, by yourself, we can do nothing. But... Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We're no longer a part of Adam's family. We're part of God's family. We're not Adam when he was created. He was made of the stuff of earth. And breathed, God breathed into him the stuff of heaven. So he was made of the terrestrial, filled with the eternal. He was a God-man in the earth. Little g. But when he sinned, he was separated from God. That life of God that was in him left. Because God can't dwell with sin. So he was, death just means to be separated. So he was separated from God. Physically alive, spiritually separated from God. So Jesus came to get back what Adam lost. So Jesus, same thing, made of the stuff of earth because he had a, a natural earthly mom. But it was the seed or the word of God that germinated with the seed of a woman and created the next, second Adam, the God-man, the Christ-man, Jesus. So when you are, you must be born of water and the spirit. So if you're born into the earth, you must be born again. How? Through Christ Jesus. If you were born the first time through your mama, the second time through Jesus, and that makes you a Christ man, a Christian. That's what that means. So you are a God man. Little g, I want to emphasize, you're not God. You just look like him. You're made in his image. And so you are made of the stuff of earth, filled with the stuff of heaven. Naturally, we're all made of clay, right? We're all dirt bags. <laughs> so what matters is what's in the bag, right? Some of our bags are bigger than others, but what matters is what's in the bag, right? You are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So you're capable of more than you realize, but I'm trying to stretch you so that you'll realize what you're capable of. 
so that you'll know who you are. Remember the Lion King? Was it Simba? You know, the, the dad, he came back and he, he said to him, uh, is it, was it Simba? You've forgotten who you are. I'm trying to remind you today who you are. You're the child of a king. You're royal by blood. You're a king and a queen in this earth. And Jesus said, now you want to be great? Yeah, I'm a king, I'm a queen. All right, then be the servant of all. Use all this authority and power I've given you to serve. Because how many know people in darkness, people in the world, they live like hell. But we're called to love the hell out of them. We should put that on the side of the building. Come to Harvest Church, we'll love the hell out of you. It's probably work, why not? Again, Smith Wigglesworth said, great faith comes out of great trials. I'll tell you a funny little story about Pastor Joel Osteen. When he was nine years old, he was playing baseball in his backyard with his buddies, and he hit the ball over the fence to his neighbor's yard. It didn't happen many times before. So he got his ladder, and he jumped the fence, and he saw the big old German shepherd, but he was always, even though he was in a fence, he was on a chain. So he was going to get his baseball, and about the time he picked it up, he realized the dog is off the chain today. And the dog started running towards him 90 miles an hour. He grabbed his ball. He started running towards that fence. He jumped, grabbed the top of that fence, and threw himself over the fence right as the dog got And he said, who says white men can't jump? (laughs) Sometimes you just don't know what you're capable of until you're properly motivated. Right? So when the trials of life, the storms of life come, that's when you reach down and you find something, a potential, an ability inside you that you didn't even know was there. That's greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, say the greater one lives in me. Let's go to our text today, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I'm going to read it to you from the New Life translation that says, Make your tent bigger, spread out the curtains of your home and do not hold back. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Adrian preached on that phrase, stop holding back. It was so good. If you missed it, go listen to it. Make your ropes longer and your tie-downs stronger. How many know if you're going to increase and grow and stretch... First, you need to check your foundation and make sure your, your tent pegs and everything is strong, right? So come back to the foundation. That is your foundation strong? Are you going to live your life based on God's word, not your feelings? How you feeling today? I mean, it really don't matter. Not trying to be, I want to be empathetic, but... I like what one man of God said. He, he, he said, how are you feeling today? He says, I don't ask myself how I feel. I tell myself how I feel. Because your feelings will just straight up lie to you. Tell you you're depressed. Tell you that you're manic. Tell you that you're addicted. Tell you that you're mad, offended. Tell you all kind of stuff. But you got to go back to the word because that's our tent peg. That's our foundation. Right? Everybody say this with me. Say it. I am impossible to offend. Amen. Hey that'll come in handy if you're married, especially. So anyway, um, but but we don't we don't live based on our feelings. We live based on the Word of God. That's our sure foundation. We live on the word from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God, the love of God, the people of God. Amen. 
So these are our, we've got to make sure our foundations are in place, or if you get stretched, you're going to snap and you're going to break. But if you got your tent pegs in the right place, you'll just stretch and you'll be able to increase and let God fill your life with abundance so that you can be a blessing in the earth. That's why Jesus wants us to have abundant life. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Why? So we could be comfortable? No, so that we could stretch and let the kingdom of God flow out of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's when the, in, in the dirt bag, right, in the jar of clay, but the jar has to be cracked so that the light can come out. All right. So we want to make room for growth and prepare for increase. There's a pattern in Scripture. Here's the pattern. If you're taking notes, jot this down. God invites someone to do something that's clearly impossible. It happens over and over and over and over in Scripture. God invites people to do something that's clearly not possible. He invited Noah to build the ark. In the first service, I said he invited Adam to build the ark. I got it wrong, but anyway. He invited Noah to build the ark. And a lot of us believe that it took Noah over 100 years to build that ark. Faith and patience, right? Some of you are upset because the promise of God hadn't come to pass in six weeks. <laughs> Faith and patience, you will obtain the promise. Hang in there, right? Tell your neighbor, hang in there. Tell them, it's, it's on the way, it's on the way. He invited Abraham to become a blood covenant partner with himself. How would you like for God to invite you to go into business with him? How many would take, up, take him up on that offer? Would you take him up on that offer? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Only about a dozen of you? Oh, come on now. I've got the God of the universe said, I'd like to be in partnership with you. How many would take him up on the offer? Some of you are like, I know this is a trick question. You are right. It is. He's already invited you, and it's called tithing. What? How many of you sing Shark Tank? They're like, well, I'll give you this much money for 80% of your company. God only wants 10%. God! How many with a partner like him? You can't go wrong. Woo, all right. Sorry about that. I snuck that in there on y'all, but you'll be all right. God invited Abraham and Sarah to do something impossible. He goes, here's what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to have a baby. They're like, uh, Jehovah, Jireh, we are 100 years old. What's your point? Well, that doesn't usually happen for 100-year-olds. But they were doers of the word. Come on, somebody. There's scriptural precedent that me and Pastor Adrian are still going to be having fun when we're 100. Woo! How's work coming to church? Somebody said, I just got my nugget. Hallelujah. But how many know the impossible happened? Wow, they partnered with God. They stretched. God invited Moses to split the Red Sea. God invited Moses to lead a nation of slaves into freedom. God invited the widow to give her last morsel of bread to feed a hungry prophet. Jesus invited the woman caught in adultery to go and sin no more. All things that are not possible without the grace of God. The Apostle Paul invited the church in Galatia to not walk in the flesh, but to walk in the, in the spirit. Everybody say stretch. Every one of these invitations are stretching. So what's God inviting you to do today? Remember the crippled man? We're going to go to Mark chapter 3. We're going to look at Mark chapter 3 and two more verses, and then we'll be done. But I don't know if you remember, but back in January, a new friend of ours came, and she spoke here, and she said, I heard that the word of the Lord for Harvest Church was the year of the breakthrough. I want to remind you all that, by the way. It's the year of the breakthrough. And sometimes I say, well, I haven't got mine yet. Well, it ain't, the year ain't over. But sometimes the breakthrough comes while you're stretching. 
doesn't it? And so she said, I just want, you know, that I think this passage is a layer of how the breakthrough is going to come. And she read this passage to us, Mark 3, 1 through 5. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And they watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, and so they might accuse him. I know religious people are mean. And Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. You ever felt like God was calling you out? You ever ever had a withered, emaciated part of your life and Jesus called you out and you're like, hey, I don't really want to step forward right now. Jesus, I don't want the spotlight on me because I got some stuff that I don't want everybody else seeing. But Jesus said, step forward. Jesus might be calling some of you out today. But there's a reason for it because he's, he's going to ask you to do something that you think you can't do. Oh, pastor, I've had this addiction since I was in high school. I can't know. He's calling you out. He's going to ask you to stretch and do something you think you can't do. You're capable of more than you think you are. I've had these symptoms for a decade now. Yeah, he's calling you to step forward because there's a stretch in your future so you can do something that you thought you couldn't do. Oh, I, I, just, I just can't have a, a successful relationship. I sabotage all my relationships. No, no, no. He's calling you out because he wants you to step forward and stretch forth that lame part of your life so that what was lame can now be functional and strong and useful, not just dead weight that you're dragging around that may be even an embarrassment to you. But he said to the withered man, step forward. And then he said to them, the religious people, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Religious folk always keep silent at the wrong time and talk at the wrong time. And when he had looked around at them with anger, I'm just so glad that's in there, that Jesus was angry at religious people. (laughs) And he was grieved by the hardness of their hearts because they wouldn't be teachable. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. Do what you... I want you to do what you think you can't do. And he stretched it out. Who stretched it out? The withered man stretched out his withered hand. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. See, some of you, you've got to stretch in an area for it to be restored. You may have to do something that feels uncomfortable to you, but Jesus is trying to take a lame part of your life and restore it and make it functional again. What's the last thing God told you to do? And have you done it? If you haven't done it, that's why you're lame. (laughs) Yeah, but I can't do that. You can do all things he tells you to do through Christ that strengthens you. I can't afford to tithe. Listen, beloved, none of us can until we do it. It's a paradox. I can't get along with my spouse. You have no idea. None of us can. All right, you're not unique. What's the difference? Do you let love rule as king and queen in your home? You gotta, you gotta do what the word says. How many know the one thing we all have in common? No matter what color you are, how much money you make, we're all uniquely screwed up in our own special way. Can I get an amen? So we gotta bring our withered hand to the master and stretch it towards Jesus. I'm not stretching it towards you because you're not 
my Savior, but I'm going to stretch what's withered towards Him because He's the only one that can give me the strength I need to be healed and whole and functional that I can have hands to serve Him. Get anything out of this today? Some of you are going to be offered a position that you don't feel qualified for. It's a stretch. I can't enter into management to stretch. God's stretching you. I can't be an entrepreneur. God's stretching you. I can't make a commitment in a relationship. God's stretching you. Why? Because there's power in the stretch. There's a strength available for you. You've been the, you've been the one-armed man for so long, you've learned how to compensate. But he's saying, would you just stretch what you feel like is useless towards me and see what I can do with it and through it? Stretch. Because that's where the breakthrough comes from. It comes from the stretch. So Jesus told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. He was asking the man to do something that seemed impossible. And, I mean, if you were there that day, or if, even if you were the, the withered man, you might have thought, seriously? Is this a joke? Are you being cruel right now? Are you making fun of the handicapped kid at school? Seriously? Stretch. Stand in front of your hand. Who do you think you are? And a lot of times we get offended at God because he puts his finger on that area that just isn't working in our life, but he's trying to bring restoration, but we have to stretch it towards him. Trust him. Jesus is like, no, this isn't a joke. I'm trying to get you to tap into a power that's already on the inside of you. You just don't know it. I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to get you out of the matrix. I'm trying to rattle your cage. I'm trying to stretch your thinking so that you can realize that there is a strength in you that you aren't even tapping into, but you got to stretch. You got to stretch. You got to stretch. It's not comfortable. It hurts. Anybody ever done yoga? I'm like, yogurt? No, that's, that's something else. Never mind. Everybody say stretch. Jesus was connecting the man to a hidden potential and power that he didn't know he had. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's where? In me than he that's in the world. Not average is he that's in me, but greater. God didn't put the greater one in you to do average things. He put the greater one in you to do greater things. Can I just say one more thing? I'm going to stretch you today. I'm going to stretch you. You're not average. Somebody told me not long ago, well, some of us have to be average. We can't all be prosperous and healed and blessed. Who told you that? That's not in the Bible. Well, some of us have to be average, so the rest of you can be. No, it's a lie from the devil. God did not make any average people. Why? Because we're all his, and he's not average. You know what mediocre means? It means halfway to the top. It comes from a Latin word. It means halfway to the top. I mean, God didn't create you halfway. He created you all the way. I used to think God made a mistake because I was supposed to be 6'4", but I'm realizing (laughs) he made me just as tall as I need to be to do what I'm called to do. If 
was six four. Y'all get a crick in your neck looking up at me from up here on the stage. But or I wouldn't fit in those international flights to go around the world and preach the God. When I get in those, I sat next to a guy one time. Bless his heart, he was about six 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 seven. He was so miserable, and I was over there. I said, had all this room. I'm like, man, sorry, buddy. I'm made for this. <laughs> but if we were playing basketball, I'd pick him to be on my team. That's for sure. But there's a greater one on the inside of you. <clears throat> When the word of God enters your life and inspires your faith, impossibilities become possible. When you believe God's word in spite of your circumstances, that which was impossible is now I'm possible. That's how you spell impossible, by the way, is I'm possible. I want you to see that word through a new set of glasses. I'm possible. I'm possible. I'm possible. All things are possible to him that that what believes. You gotta love the Lord to believe, but all things are possible to him that believes. 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 Do you believe? You, hey, listen. You you might even be like that one guy who said, "Jesus, can you heal my son?" And Jesus said, "All things are possible to him that believes." And he said, "I believe." Help my unbelief. You know, you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head and still get a miracle. God's just that good. All right. So, act as if you're from heaven because you are. You're made in the image of the heavenly man, Christ Jesus. Two more verses. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. When you get there, say, oh, yeah. They'll put it on the screen for the rest of you. It says, verse 7, but we have this treasure. Treasure. That is what you... Okay. So we have this... Everybody say it. Treasure. Where is it? In earthen vessels. Who has the treasure? We do. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a treasure. Do you know how valuable you are? We have this treasure. We're not trying to get it. We got it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, people are going to go, Woo, I know that wasn't you. That had to be God. How many want to do some of that kind of stuff? That must be God. That's right. And then he says, speaking of the treasure we have, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. How is that possible? Because the pressure on the inside of Paul was greater than the pressure on the outside of Paul. The pressure on the inside of you is greater than the pressure on the outside of you. You might not feel like it, but it is. You might feel the pressure, but there's a pressure inside of you that's greater than the pressure on the outside of you. Right? Whether that pressure is poverty, whether that pressure is addiction, whether that pressure is lack, whether that pressure is peer pressure, it doesn't matter. The pressure in you is greater than the pressure outside of you. Oh, Pastor, you don't know, but she was fine. Listen, the pressure on the inside is greater than the pressure on the outside. How many know there's no temptation that overcomes you that is not common to man? But God makes a way of escape. You got to take the way. Take the way of escape. Because temptation happens to us all. Storms happen to us all. But there's a pressure in you. That's that treasure trying to get out. Pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. In other words, 
You might have some things happening that you can't figure out. You're perplexed. But you're not in despair. Why? Because you always have hope. I, don't, I haven't figured this out, but here's what I do. I don't know what we're going to do, but I, let me tell you what I do know. You always got to come back to what you do know. I do know if God be for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. I know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Hey, that's me. Is that you? Do you love the Lord? Well, then you're called according to his purpose. That means everything's going to work out for your good. All things work together for good. For those. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. You might not have it figured out. You might be perplexed, but you're not in despair. You can stay calm in the storm. Why? Jesus is asleep in your boat, and you're not going to wake him up because he said, we're going to the other side. Let's just go. Keep sailing. Sail on. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Doesn't matter who or what comes against you, because you know who's with you. Struck down, but not destroyed. If a righteous man falls seven times, how many times does he get up? Eight. You know, keep getting up. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. That's that treasure again. It's in you. There's a treasure in you. Did you know that you're a treasure chest? You're not just a dirt bag. You're a treasure chest. You're a jar of clay filled with precious things, value, eternal things. Last verse. 2 Timothy. I think it's chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8, somewhere around there. They told me I had the wrong verse earlier, but I looked it up. I think this is it. It says, stir up the gift of God inside you. Where is it? Everybody say, it's in me. It's inside you. Stir up the gift of God. Put you in remembrance to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. And how'd that gift of God get there? Some prophetic pastors laid hands on him and imparted a spiritual gift. And so the apostle Paul said, stir it up. How many of you got, if you don't stir yourself up, you'll settle to the bottom. I cook a lot and I don't cook a lot of things, but I cook a lot. There's a few things that I cook often. One of them, I call it man chili. That's whatever the man can find in the kitchen and he threw it in the pot and called it chili. That's right. Man chili. And I put some good stuff in the man chili. And the man chili comes out a little different every time. But I like it. It actually raises testosterone. Man chili. That's what I tell my boys anyway. And my wife doesn't eat it. She's like, I don't like that man chili you make. I don't know what's in there. But the good stuff settles to the put cooks in this big old pot, and you gotta get a big spoon. You gotta stir it up while the good stuff falls to the bottom. You gotta stir the good stuff up. There's good stuff in you, brothers and sisters. I'm here today to invite you to stir it up. Paul the Apostle said, stir up the gift. That word stir, it means to rekindle a flame. In other words, the fire is dying down. So what do you do? You, you go, you fan it, fan it a little bit. It kind of gets brighter red. You take something dry and you put it in there. You take a stick and you take a log. The flame gets bigger. The fire gets bigger. What are you doing? You're rekindling. You're fanning it into flame. Sometimes you've got to fan it into flame. The gift that's in you. It's already in you. Now, rekindle the gift. The, that word gift, it means divine gratuity. How many think if God came to eat at your restaurant, he would leave a big old tip? 
Now, I ain't just talking 15, 20% either. I'm talking maybe 1,000%. He said, There's a, stir up the divine gratuity that's in you. The spiritual endowment. How many know what an endowment fund is? There's an endless resource inside of you. He said, stir it up. And finally, that word gift means miraculous power. It's the Greek word charisma. It's where we get charismatic. It's where we get the word charisma. But it doesn't mean gregarious like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I'm the life of the party. What's that? Hey, did you hear about the two priests who walked into a bar? No, that's not what charisma means. Charisma means that there, you are aware that there is a miraculous power on the inside of you, a power to do miracles on the inside of you. And you can be cool, calm, and collected and still get supernatural results. You don't have to rely on the force of your own personality. You're relying on the presence of the Holy Spirit who's in you to do what naturally can't be done to stretch. So here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to take a moment. The worship team's back out. We're going to just stretch for a moment, okay? I'm just going to invite you to stretch. So if I had a, a big gift that I was going to give you, what would you, you put your hands out like that and you go, oh, man. So I want you just to take your hands in a receiving posture like this. Take a big, deep cleansing breath. Close your eyes going to have a moment of mindfulness. I want you to receive from your Lord, your lover, your King, your Master, your Savior. And I want you to fan into flame that divine spark that's on the inside of you. That's what it means. Sparky. You're sparky. You sparkle. Fan it into flame, that spark. Would you say this with me today? Say, I stir up the gift of God, the miracle-working power of God that's on the inside of me. Some things I've let settle to the bottom that God put in me, I stir them up right now. Wake up, gift of God. Burn bright in me. Use me, Jesus. That your will may be done through me. Now just begin to thank him. That that fire is rekindled in you. Lift your voice for a moment. Worship him. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. 
I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. We honor you. We honor you. Be magnified in this place, in my life, in my life. We worship you in my city, Lord, in our nation, O oh God. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not going to embarrass you and make you stand up or anything like that. But I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation if you're watching us online or in the family venue. And you need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. And like I said, I'm not going to embarrass you or make you stand up or anything like that. But let me know who I'm praying with today. Just slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Kevin. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. I see your hand. Got you, man. I see your hand as well. Anybody else want to join these two or three that raised their hand? God bless you. Awesome. Harvest Church. Let's pray with those who raise their hand. If you're watching us online, pray with us right now. Say it with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I forsake my sin. And I submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Who died in my place. Not just for me, but as me. He was raised from the dead. Not just for me, but as me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible says when one sinner comes to Christ, they throw a party up in heaven. Can we just celebrate for about 10 seconds right now? We rejoice with those of you who raised your hand, who prayed that prayer. Woo! That's what it's all about.